Good morning, St. Cross. It appears some of you remember me from the last time I visited back in January. The weather was exactly the same. <laughs> it's a strange thing. Um, thank you. Thank you for the gift of being here with you today. Um, thank you, Reverend Rachel. We were at General Convention not long ago, and I get a text in the middle of the debates about some resolution nobody really cared about that said, Joe, I need a favor. I'm thinking, what could it possibly be? She said, I need a cup of coffee from Starbucks. <laughs> so, of course, being an alternate, I didn't have much else to do. So I slipped out of the back, scurried across the road, got the biggest coffee they had, brought it back, and uh, Reverend Rachel met me in the back and said, thank you, I owe you one. And little did I know that a cup of coffee would get me a trip out to beautiful Hermosa Beach <laughs> to be with you all. What a gift, what a gift. And thank you, Reverend Josh, a friend from seminary, for hosting me, but most of all, thanks to his beautiful wife, Carrie, for sharing a very small bathroom with me. <laughs> a lot of gratitude to share this morning, but let's begin with prayer. In beauty, I walk. With beauty before me, I walk. With beauty behind me, I walk. With beauty above me, I walk. With beauty all around me, I walk. It has become beauty again. Amen. This is a prayer that was a gift. It was a gift to me from elders, Diné elders in our community at St. Christopher's Mission on Navajo land. It is a prayer about the divine beauty that surrounds us. Beauty that you know all so well in a place called Beautiful Beach. It's a prayer about the beauty that we are made with, the beauty that we are made in, and the beauty that we are made for. It's a prayer about the beauty that we are called into each and every day. But friends, the Diné word for beauty, hojon, is not a word that refers to an aesthetical beauty. It's a word that refers to the harmony, the healing, the wholeness that we are called into when we are invited to participate in the divine life. It's a word that recognizes all that comes to us in our life as gift. And gifts are made forgiving. I'll never forget when I turned 35, my son Hill climbed up in my lap after breakfast 
and whispered in my ear, Daddy, what are you getting me for your birthday? And I looked at him and I said, son, it's my birthday. You should be getting me the gift. And he said, gifts are made for giving. <laughs> Mommy told me that birthdays aren't about getting gifts, they're about giving them. And it's your birthday, so you should be giving me a gift. <laughs> and even at five years old, my son had tapped into a very ancient wisdom. Gifts are made for giving, not receiving. And I think that's ultimately the lesson Jesus is trying to teach us in the gospel story this morning. He tells his friends, according to one translation, your father delights in giving you the kingdom delights in giving you the kingdom. Another translation goes like this. What I am trying to tell you is relax. Don't be so preoccupied with getting that you cannot respond to God's giving. Steep yourself in God's reality, God's initiative, God's provisions. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. All this sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Doesn't it? So why does Jesus tell his friends, do not be afraid? If it's all so wonderful, all so easy, what is there to be afraid about? If our every need is met in the abundance of God's great giving, why would we be afraid? I suspect it's because, as we all learned as children, there is no such thing as a free gift. You see, gifts ask something of us. They demand a certain response. Yes, it's not the gift that's scary. It's what the gift asks of us that makes us uncomfortable. And Jesus is quite clear here because everything we have in this life is a gift from God. The only appropriate response is to give it away. As we hear Jesus tell his friends in words that may unsettle us to this day, Sell what you have and give the money to the poor. Gifts are made for giving, and that can be unsettling. But it doesn't have to be. In Braiding Sweetgrass, Robin Wall Kimmerer describes what she calls a gift economy something she learned about as a child picking strawberries for her father's shortcake that she and her sisters made for him on Father's Day. She says, strawberries first shaped my view of the world as full of gifts scattered at your feet. A gift comes to you through no action of your own, free, having moved toward 
toward you without your beckoning. It is not a reward. You cannot earn it or call it to you, and you do not deserve it. And yet it appears. Your only role is to be present and open-eyed. Yes, we must be present, but we must also respond. Kimmermer continues, As a girl, I experienced the world as a gift economy. Goods and services not purchased, but received as gifts from the earth. Gifts from the earth establish a particular relationship, an obligation of sorts to give, to receive, to reciprocate. That field gave to us, we gave to our dad, and we tried to give back to the strawberries. About five years ago, I found myself in a position where I had to wrestle with that particular relationship that Kimmermer describes, that obligation of sorts to give, to receive, to reciprocate. You see, I grew up as the beneficiary of many great gifts, gifts I did not earn, gifts I did not deserve, gifts I could not control. I was born into an old Montgomery family, a family of old power, old prosperity, and old privilege. I was the eighth generation of Hills and Hubbards to raise children in Montgomery. I attended the same private school my parents attended, and I attended the same Episcopal church that my parents and my grandparents were married in. And yes, I even convinced my Methodist wife, Josh, to get married there too. And not just get married there, but to be confirmed and to attend there. I was born the grandson of a federal judge and the great-grandson of a United States senator. And for much of my life, I took for granted the privileges of that upbringing Privileges that carried me into the family tradition of law and politics. Privileges that in large part secured my successes in a political career where I served as the floor leader for my party in the Alabama legislature at the ripe age of 28 and later as their nominee for attorney general. These were privileges that I built success on as a lawyer and a politician. And they were gifts that I took for granted. Until one day I was sitting in my law office and a news bulletin came across my computer. Because that's how it works these days, right? It's not TV anymore, it's computer. And I watched as a line of protesters organized at the Cannonball River standing in front of enormous excavating machines. These folks were protesting a pipeline that was digging up the bones of their ancestors. This is on Standing Rock Reservation, a place where I spent two weeks every summer throughout my youth, for about eight years. And I watched as they protested 
this, this line of machinery, this line of progress, I watched as friends of mine, friends who we grew up as children, were sprayed with water hoses in sub-freezing weather. I watched as the elders who fed me and cared for me those summers were shot with rubber bullets while they were singing traditional songs of prayer and protection. And I also watched as a herd of bison stampeded the line of the North Dakota State Trooper Barricade. And in that moment, I heard my son's voice Daddy, gifts are made for giving. And I realized the gifts I had been given over the course of my life demanded more from me than I ever realized. So I gave up my law practice. I gave up my political career. I gave up a beautiful two-story house in a beautiful neighborhood. And the two Volvos parked in the driveway I gave up that Episcopal church in the Garden District of Montgomery, Alabama. And together with Ashley, my wife, and our three children, we left my hometown. We left our friends and our family to prepare for ministry amongst indigenous communities. And I'll never forget what my bishop, my friend Keith Sloan, told me as we discerned this. He said, Joe, Abraham trusted in the provision of God against all the odds. He left his friends and his family. He left his homeland on a promise that seemed so unlikely. Trust in God's provision. And so now, today, all these years later, Ashley and Hill and Hattie and Hannah and I live and serve in a community where the average median income is $20,000 per household. We live and serve in a community where 44% of our families are without running water. This is in the United States, friends. We live and serve in a community where many of our families live in a one-room hogan in the desert, built out of cedar logs and covered in mud with no electricity. It's no wonder that for a long time, Navajo Nation had the highest rate of COVID infection in the United States. It's no wonder that we have lost almost 20% of our population to COVID. And yet, even in the midst of these challenges, our people continued to give. When Episcopal churches all across the United States were orchestrating beautifully choreographed Eucharist to live stream on Facebook and YouTube, our folks were hauling food boxes to sheltering families. They were becoming Eucharist. As they delivered fresh produce, eggs, and milk, these families, they were literally handing over the bread of heaven as they hauled thousands of gallons of water to families without access to running water. They were literally offering up 
the cup of salvation as they chopped and delivered loads of firewood to families without any heat. They were literally sharing the light of Christ that keeps frigid winter winds at bay and preserves life. And perhaps that is why our people continue to pray hojol nahastli. Yes, it becomes beauty. It becomes beauty again each and every day on Navajo land because we are sharing in a gift economy that recognizes all of this is gift. And all of this calls for us to give it in return. Gifts are made for giving, friends. And so I'd like to invite you, invite you, the members of this community at St. Cross, Homosa Beach, the beach of beauty. I'd like you to join us in a life of Honjon, a life of beauty, where we celebrate all that we share as gift. And in giving it away, we discover that God and God's good pleasure gives us the kingdom in return. Amen.